InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. The rise of technology over the past 100 years has been astounding. But what's in store for us in the next 30 years? Our next guest has some answers. He's Kevin Kelly, author of The Inevitable, Understanding the 12 Technological Forces That Will Shape Our Future. So the most important question is, will we all have cars that fly so we can avoid traffic jams on our way to work? Not in 20 years. But (laughs) you will have cars that drive themselves so you can play a video game or work on your resume while you're in the car. Oh, well, that's pretty good. How about we turn to the Internet as we begin here? As you said, it hasn't been around that long. What will the impact of the Internet be in 20 or 30 years? I think the best way to think about the Internet in 20 years is to think of it less as a place that you go to and more as a presence. It'll be really kind of rife with a lot of artificial smartness and conversational bots, things that you can kind of talk to, ask questions for, interact with. And those bots will be watching what you do and trying to anticipate where you're going. So you can kind of imagine the Internet as kind of like a GPS for your life, where you're going along and it's kind of looking ahead, kind of anticipating what you're going to be doing that day. And then if you change your mind, it says, oh, never mind, I'll have another packet for you. I'll, I'll do another route. I'll prepare other things ahead of you. And if you decide to change your mind again, it isn't phased by that, but it's, it's having a conversation with you in a kind of a larger sense. That, I think, is one vision of this Internet that we're going to. And the second one is to imagine it as not a place that we know things, which is what it is today, but a place that we experience. And the kind of Internet of experiences, let me say it that way. Kevin, along with the uh, Internet and it becoming much more, I guess, pervasive, what about privacy and tracking? How are those going to change? Well, there will be a lot more of it, let me put it that way. A lot more tracking? A lot more tracking, yes. And in fact, a lot of people are looking forward to kind of these virtual reality worlds, but one of the things about them is that they're inherently made to track your movements, your activities. They're not really being recorded right now, but they're being captured, and that data in the future would be useful. So we're going into an area where there's more and more of our lives that we self-track. We track ourselves with the Fitbits. Our friends track us with tagging each other's on our Facebooks. Companies track us, and the government is increasingly tracking us. All those things suggest that in 20 years from now, that huge parts of our lives will all be tracked in some capacity, and that's inevitable. What's not inevitable is what we do with it, how we can civilize that tracking in some ways, how we can make it much more symmetrical, tolerable, so that we can see who's tracking us, we can track them, we can hold them accountable, we can get some benefits for that tracking, which we don't really do right now. Mm-hmm. So I think we can make that increased tracking more civilized by choosing and and making some political choices about the tracking, but I don't think we can stop the tracking. One of the uh, areas I guess you can explain or talk about are robots, and you're saying we shouldn't worry about robots taking away our jobs. Well, robots are just AIs, artificial intelligences that have bodies, and some of those bots will be more software than hardware, but we'll be working with them. The important part about all this stuff about artificial smartness and artificial intelligence is that this kind of intelligence is different 
than human type of thinking. They think differently. Right now, your calculator is smarter than you are in arithmetic. <laughs> and Google is smarter than you are in recall. Those are very specialized types of thinking. But human intelligence is really made up of hundreds of different modes or instruments of cognition, all thinking differently, deductive reasoning or inductive reasoning, perception. And so we're engineering these machines, our machines, to think differently than humans, in some cases to think better than we do in smaller dimensions. And that's the main use for them is that they don't think like us. The reason why we want the AIs to drive our cars is because they're not driving like us because they're not distracted, because they're focused on driving and they're optimized to drive well. That's their virtue, is that they don't drive like humans drive. And I think when we look at the jobs, most of the jobs that we have are really bundles of different tasks. So some of those tasks will be automated by the bots, robots and AIs, and they'll redefine some of the other ones that we're doing. I think a better image to have in your mind is to imagine us working with alongside of, together with AIs and robots, rather than against them. That's much closer to where we're going. Our guest is Kevin Kelly, author of The Inevitable, Understanding the 12 Technological Forces That Will Shape Our Future. Kevin, uh, I really like that everything you've been talking about seems very, very optimistic. It's sort of the opposite of the way Hollywood movies seem to present the future. It's typically a dark kind of a scene, you're very positive about it. I'm often chart optimistic, and a lot of my optimism comes from history. Right now, there's sort of a pessimism in America that's actually not shared by the rest of the world. Places like Asia are incredibly optimistic about the future, but I think right now, there's a little bit of a spell of pessimism that doesn't match at all with the actual evidence, which is that our lives are getting better and have been getting better for hundreds of years and even in the last decade. Almost all the measurements that you would want, the evidence suggests that we'll continue in that same direction. And I think that the beauty of technology is that it keeps increasing our choices without taking away very many of the old ones. So if you want to have a life like the Amish where you don't use artificial intelligence, you don't have to. You can choose and arrange your life to be without it. Although most people probably will choose to have the AIs drive their cars. If you were to advise a young person who may be listening right now as to the best place for them to focus their career, knowing what you know, what would you suggest? I might do something very counterintuitive. I think that one of the things you want to learn, one of the skills you want to learn, I call them technolyric skills, is the skill of learning how to learn. So if you're learning a computer language in school, it's going to be useless by the time you graduate. There'll be a whole new one. So when we were at Wired and we were hiring young people, we didn't hire them for the skills. We hired them for their aptitude and attitude. And then you could teach them later because whatever skills they had needed to be relearned. And we found experience a lot more useful than even educational level. The people that do the best have a much broader experience, learn some history, take an art class, learn some engineering, of course. But having the right attitude and aptitude is a lot more important than having the kind of fashionable skill. Kevin Kelly, author of The Inevitable, Understanding the 12 Technological Forces That Will Shape Our Future. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today. 
I really appreciate the invitation to be on your show. Thank you. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.